0: The following podcast is a Dear Media production.
1: Welcome to Work Party, the podcast where we are throwing out the rulebook and bringing you real talk and hot takes on what is happening in the working world right now because life moves fast. If we've learned anything from the past few years, it's that the only constant is change. And we can't pretend everything is status quo. I'm your host, Jacqueline Johnson, and it's hot take time, where we ask guests to let us in on a fresh POV that they feel super passionate about. From spicy money talk to unexpected relationship advice, love them or hate them, agree or disagree, these piping hot and sometimes controversial takes will get you thinking. So let's get into it. On today's episode, I'm joined by Vivian too, who you may know better by her social media handle, your rich BFF. a self-made millionaire and financial guru, too, is an entrepreneur, public speaker, and founder. and she is also a former Wall Street trader with a combined following of over four million on Instagram and TikTok, where she shares advice on how to get rich. Welcome Vivian.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: So excited to have you. So today we are doing a hot takes episode Mm -hmm. where basically Vivian has submitted some of her favorite hot takes and we're going to talk about it on air. And in your case, we actually had two hot Mm -hmm. takes we wanted to dive into. (laughs) So I'm super excited about it. So the first hot take
0: is, do you want to give it to us? You should not be dating anybody who's not financially stable. Ooh,
1: girl, I'm so excited (laughs) to get into this because... I feel like, well, one, right, relationship dynamics have changed so much in Mm -hmm. the past five years. And two, money is such a weird topic to talk Mm -hmm. about when you're dating. So I guess that's my first question is, when do you bring up finances when you're starting
0: to date? Yeah. I mean, I think there are ways to bring up finances even on the first date, right? It's not like you and I show up to a date and I'm like, hey, Jack, like, show me a pay stub. Like, it's not (laughs) like that. But asking someone's like, oh, like, what's your dream vacation? Or Mm. if you had a million dollars, how would you spend it? Or like, what would you do just like understand someone's relationship with money Mm. is important to start right from the jump. Because if you find out that someone values a dollar differently than you, like, it's hard to overcome that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So
1: I love the vacation. That's such a good tidbit of like, talking about things that cost money Mm -hmm. and their relationship
0: to those things. Okay, also, hot take, who pays? You know, I think whoever invites Mm. pays. I would say that I am still old-fashioned in that way that I'm like, if you are taking me out, like, you should probably have been the one to invite me and take me out. If I am inviting someone else, I'm more than happy to pay. I will say that, like, for most dates— that I've been on where I split the bill, it was because I really wasn't feeling it. And I was like, I just want to get out of here. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.
1: Okay, I I love the invite rule. I think that's really strong because yeah, I'm inviting you, you Mm -hmm. are my guest. Mm -hmm. So I think that tracks and ideally they're the one inviting you to start. (laughs) So that also tracks. Okay, so I I love this. So the other question I have is around timing, right? Because I think this conversation changes in your 30s, in your 40s, in your 20s, right? Because in your 20s, Most likely, you don't have any money. No one has money. (laughs) We're all financially unstable. We're we're trying to figure it out. So, what's your philosophy on building a financially stable relationship together long term?
0: Yeah, I think before we even get into that, we should talk about what I mean when I say financially stable. Because financially stable doesn't mean rich. And I think that's what people get confused a lot. And they're always like, oh, like, she's a gold digger. Like, okay, cool. If you want to spread that rumor, go for it. But talking about financial stability, I mean, do you have a plan? Like, you might have six-figure student loan debt. That does not mean you're not financially stable. Financially stable means are you making enough money to cover your budget? Are you making responsible choices, setting money aside for savings, Are you, you know, making decisions to potentially invest now or invest in the future when you are able to? Like, do you have a plan? Are there things you want to do with your money to get you from point A to that happily ever after? Mm -hmm. Because you can be a multimillionaire and if you're blowing through the money you're making faster than you're making it and you don't have a plan of like, hey, how is today me going to take care of future me? You're still not financially stable, even if you are making millions of dollars every year and we see that right like we've seen the headlines of like uh oh, famed NFL player makes 20 million dollars a year now is you know sadly broke just because you make a lot of money doesn't make you financially stable
1: good responsible decision making and having a plan is yeah. the definition there so that's important to know right so when it comes to having these conversations and kind of getting into that information How do you feel like you can start to to have those conversations? So let's start in your 20s. We're new. We're dating. We're Mm -hmm. both a hot mess. Like we have some student loan (laughs) debt. We're trying to figure it out. But like, you know, we have big dreams, big goals. Yeah.
0: How do we start having those conversations from the get go? It's about asking your potential partner questions about what's important to them. So it's like, oh, like, what's your dream job? Do you think you'll be staying in your current role for a very long time? Like, do you like the work you do? Or is it just something to like make ends meet? Mm. It's about learning of what that path might be. It's like, do you have any plans to go back to school? What kind of additional degree would you like? Because that's something that you have to keep in mind. Like, hey, if I'm with this person and they go back for their MBA, that's probably another six figures in, you know, student loan debt. Mm-hmm. So that's something that you need to understand. And I would say that especially in your 20s, when all of us are still very much trying to figure out who we are, it's important to find someone that their lifestyle and their plan for the next five to 10 years is compatible with yours, or at least someone that you like so much that you're like, I am willing to compromise and we can have this plan together.
1: I love that. I think that's such great advice as well as like really sussing out what you want your futures to look like. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously things change.
0: They don't always go as planned. Just like using my fiancé and myself as a partner, like we were early 20s, met in a dive bar. Like he worked on the same team as my girl roommate at the time. Like I was just like, oh, like he's cute. Like that's literally my entire thought process. And like also I was like drunk. So I was like, I don't even know if he's that cute. (laughs) And when we first started dating and we were talking about our lives, we, I would say, had much more modest goals. He grew up in the Midwest. I had gone to school out in Chicago. And our big plan was like, we'll grind it out here in New York for three or four years. And then we'll start to make moves back. We'll try to move to Chicago so he could be closer to family. I could be closer to a lot of where my friends were. Three to four years later, we're now in our you know mid to late 20s our careers have really taken off. We've built these relationships in New York. We now suddenly have friends and couple friends at that that we're doing things with every single mm-hmm. weekend. And we're like, I don't know if I want to leave New York. Like, I like it here. And suddenly, you know, three to four years into my into our careers, we're like, we can actually afford to live here. Like, we can afford to go out to dinner. We don't have to share a studio with my girl roommate that's 600 square feet and we look at each other like an NYU dorm room. <laughs> yeah. Like, our situation changed vastly with our careers And now, you know, he's 30, I'm 29, and we have no idea what the future looks like because I've quit my job to become a full-time influencer, which is truly words that I never (laughs) thought would come out of my mouth. And, you know, he's left this job in, you know, a a major investment bank that he was at for six, seven years, and he's taking a new, like, route in the finance industry still, but, like, everything has changed. Mm -hmm. And so what you realize is, This isn't a one and done. Talking about financial stability, talking about your financial future and making that plan is not something you can do and then set it and forget it. It's very much like something that needs to happen every single year, every single two years, and at a very minimum, every three to five years because things change so much.
1: Yeah as a 38 year old, get ready. (laughs) Just enjoy the ride (laughs) because things get wild and things change all the time. And even to your point, you know, your whole career in life has changed somewhat overnight, I would say, you know, in, in a way where now you're operating in a different Financial world, if you will, mm-hmm. you know, being an influencer, entertainer, all those things is very different than getting a paycheck, you know, 100 every week. It's, it's a different type of world. So, your whole financial world just got flipped in an interesting way. So, talk to me about it. Sounds like you're in a great, financially stable relationship, but <laughs> have you ever been in a not so great, financially unstable
0: relationship or oh, dated anyone? Yeah. 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 100%. So, in college, this guy was my first serious boyfriend and he was. Great, and he also, like, simultaneously sucked. Yeah, we've all had one of those. Yeah, we've all had one of those. And we were in college, and he was getting an allowance from his parents because we were in college, and we were both young. And every single month, they would deposit a certain amount of money into his bank account. At the beginning of the month, when the money came in, he would be, like, on a manic like, mm. hi. And he'd be like, let's go out to dinner. Like, let's go shopping. I'll buy you something. Da, 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 da. And then by the end of the month, he would become like a total grouch mm. and he wouldn't want to go out and he wouldn't want to do anything. And I'm like, you know, I can pick up the tab like we can still go to dinner. He was very, very traditional in that sense. And he never wanted to let me pay for stuff. But we were college students. He should have let me. And on top of that, like, that example of just watching him like not be able to make that allowance spread through the month appropriately was a little bit of a red flag or a little bit of an alarm because mm-hmm. I was someone who had to be really mindful about my spending because my parents were Chinese immigrants and like very frugal. And they would go through the credit card statement and look at every line item and be like, what is this? Why is this so much? Why are you spending so much this month? and. I'm very fortunate. My parents put me through school. They helped me. They afforded me a very, very comfortable lifestyle. But like, I wasn't popping bottles at the club on the weekend. Yeah, yeah. And I knew people like that boyfriend who would do that at the start of the month. And then by the end, be like eating like slices of cheese. Yeah. And I think it was just a little bit of an alarm for future stuff.
1: 100%. And I think the other red flag in that situation is when your mood corresponds to your money. Correct. And when there's like emotional tie to that high and that excitement and then that low, low and that depression. Part of being financially stable, I think, is also being emotionally stable about money Mm -hmm. in general. Obviously, we all freak out. You know, things happen. 100%. You know, banks collapse, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) You figure it out. But, you know, your entire mental health isn't hinging on the fact that, you know, you have money in your account right now.
0: And, you know, I understand where the... Freak out comes from because certainly it's very, very concerning if you are relying on yourself, your paycheck to paycheck, and you need that money to last. But, like, bro, your parents are rich and you just can't make your allowance last through the month. Like, it just didn't seem that dire to me. And the way that he would speak to me and treat me when he, it was close to the end of the month, like, it did not. Make me feel good. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's another, like, obviously, like, life lesson that you should learn is that, like, as a woman in particular, like, you need to have your own money. You need to be financially independent. You got to have, fuck you, money. Set aside for a rainy day. Because I get so many DMs from people that are like, I just found out my husband or, like, boyfriend of, like, multiple years is cheating on me, but he makes all the money. I stay at Mm -hmm. home. I don't don't even know how I'm going to leave. Or... I'm in a a violent relationship. How do I get out of this? And that breaks my heart because financial violence is real. Yeah. And saying to someone, I make the money so you can't go. You can't leave. You can't make decisions. You are not a human with agency is so messed up. And I just very much implore everyone, but in particular women, to have your own money.
1: 100%. This is something my mom was so adamant about with my sister and I. And it's allowed me to get out of really bad situations because I have that, you know, freedom in that way. So I think that's great advice. Hey there, business owners. Are you ready to take your business to the next level? Of course you are. And that's why I'm excited to talk to you about my new favorite platform, Thinkific Plus. Thinkific Plus is the powerful, easy-to-use educational platform that businesses need to keep their customers, vendors, partners, and employees engaged. Thinkific Plus has everything you need to keep your customers coming back for more. When your customers win, your business does too. Right now, Work Party listeners get a special limited time offer that's one month free. Start educating your customers at scale for free. Go to Work Party's special URL. It's thinkific.com slash party and get your free month of Thinkific Plus. That's thinkific.com slash party.
0: Hi, I'm Sif Haider, the founder of Array. I'm a wellness entrepreneur and digital creator, and this is my show, The Dream Bigger Podcast. Listen, I love dreaming big, but you know what I love more? Actually having the resources to make those big dreams happen. And hey, dreams can sometimes be private jets, but other times they can look a little something like having the best skin of your damn life or starting a successful business or delving into spirituality. So on this podcast, I chat with experts and thought leaders from different fields about their tips and tricks on doing exactly that. Remember to subscribe. We drop new episodes every Tuesday. So see you then.
1: So one thing, you know, we've talked about is when it comes to relationships and sharing bank accounts and all the things, this is a hot topic amongst my friend group because I think so much has changed in, you know, the past... 20 years around relationships, to your point, very much the scenario for most people was my husband makes all the money, I don't make as much, the pay gap is real, but also maybe I'm staying at home, I don't know, whatever. And that power dynamic starts happening. So, what is your feeling when it comes to going all in on finances together?
0: I'm not someone who says go all in on anything. Yeah, frankly, <laughs> like you know, in the same way that I recommend like the BFFs, I'm like, you want a diversified portfolio. I think you should have a diversified financial system. So I'll speak from experience. Like I am in a situation where I make money. My fiance makes money and we have a bunch of expenses. And so we have a yours, mine, and our system. So for things like our mortgage that we share, which by the way, we bought out of wedlock. Like, we were not married when we bought that place. So we had to get a legal document drafted being like, hey, if this oh, yeah. relationship goes awry. A cohabitation agreement. <laughs> yeah, a little cohabitation <laughs> agreement. It's like, if this goes awry, like, how much of the house does each person get? And we have a account that pays for the mortgage, the utilities, basic groceries. And then we have separate funds for stuff that each of us individually want to do. And that way, I never can make him feel bad about wanting to go do or play an extra round of golf or go out to the bar with his friends. And he can never make me feel bad about just walking by a new handbag and being like, you know what? Treat yourself like it's it's my time. Or me going to get my lashes. And I will say, like I'm giving these examples, like he has never ever made me feel bad about buying anything. And I think that's part of the reason why he is my fiance. Yeah. Because you want to be with someone who makes you feel the best version of yourself and they need to be supportive of you and your decision making. And certainly there have been times where he's like, you want to think about that again or like maybe just reconsider like this other point of view, but they can't make you feel bad.
1: Yeah, it has to be a healthy dynamic between both parties. Everyone has to be on the same page about what's happening i love the yours mine ours system i think that's a great way to do it and yeah when you're living with someone and you own a house together pay rent together have bills together it makes sense yeah. to have a, a little pot that you all put your money in and can can do things for also it's just good to like learn about them just from that little pot of money you know
0: and i'd also say one thing that is a question that i get a lot is like how do we split that mortgage how mm. do we split that rent if you and i are dating and you make a lot more money and i make a lot less like What is fair, and really, it does come down to each specific couple. But what I always say is like, equality and equity are not the same, right? If you make a million dollars a year and I make sixty thousand dollars a year, and we go halvesies on rent, that's not fair. Yeah, (laughs) that rent is a much much larger portion of my income than it is yours. Right. Whereas if we prorated the rent so that you were paying a proportionate share and I was paying my proportionate share, that's equity. That means that both of us are paying a proportionate share of our income and rent. And it also typically means that the person who makes more gets to have what they want because they're like, hey, I'm making a lot of money. My expectation is Mm -hmm. my commute is short. I have a doorman. I have a nice, you know, in-unit washer, dryer, whatever. And then the person who's making less doesn't feel like they're holding that partner back as well without putting themselves into a really bad financial position. 100%
1: 100% aligned. I think that's great advice. And I think a situation a lot of people find themselves in. So I love that. So we're obviously talking a lot about partners, mm-hmm. but let's talk about ourselves. Yeah, yeah. How do you become more financially stable as a partner? Like if someone's listening to this and they're like, that's me. I have the debt. I'm, <laughs> I get excited about money. Oh my God, no one's going to date me. How do you become more financially stable?
0: You know, I think it's about making a concerted effort to learn more about finances and learn more about money. I think back to my schooling. Right? Like I went to public school, I was a great student, valedictorian of my high school. Like nice. Yeah, I had to drop (laughs) that in there. Truly my shining moment. Congratulations. But I think about all of the formulas I learned in calculus. I don't remember a single one. When have I ever used those again? When's the last time you wrote a five-paragraph essay? When's the last time you needed to explain how photosynthesis worked? Never. You know what would have been cool? Teaching me how to file my taxes so I didn't think I was going to prison the first year I was working. <laughs> you know, what What would have been cool? Learning how to budget so I wouldn't be spending more than I was making my very first year. How to save? How to invest? What types of accounts I should be opening? And these are all really overwhelming questions if you haven't learned it in school because think about the 12 years it took you to learn to get up to calculus, right? You don't start at calculus. You start at 2 plus 2 equals 4 we have to do that and give ourselves that grace Mm. with finances as well. You know, you need to start with the, hey, this is a high yield savings account. You should get one because it pays more interest than a regular savings account. When you can finally move up to, hey, I have a diversified portfolio. I'm investing partially in equities. I have some money in bonds. I have some money in commodities. I have some money like in everything. And so it's just Getting more comfortable with the jargon. And you can do that, you know, now it's so easy with social media, but you can also read their podcasts. And the easiest thing you can do to be better with money, people never believe me when I say this, talk to your friends about money. Mm. We have been told for so long that talking about money is tacky. It's taboo. It's rude. And I think in a recent movie, Mila Kunis was like, it's gauche to ask how much something costs mom. And it's not. Yeah. Because rich people do it all the time. No, you think about those boys you see on the golf course, they're smoking their cigars and teeing off like they're talking about money. Why is it embarrassing when you and I do it just because what we're women?
1: Totally. I I love that so much. I totally agree. I also talk so much about money. I'm like annoying about it. But (laughs) it's funny because you're right, though. I think also a lot of the more even more successful than me, richer than me women have given me little nuggets where I'm like, oh, you did what? oh, I'm going to do that. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to go do that and like figure this out. And so I think, again, to your point, having conversations about money, being open about it, what's working, what's not working, I think is so crucial. And you kind of did a perfect segue into our second hot take because you talked a lot about education and Mm -hmm. how we don't really get to learn all the things that we need to learn. But your second hot take is about college. Do you want to tell us
0: what it is? I don't think everybody needs to go to college. Okay, tell us why. Because... Back in the day, we'll do a little history yeah, let's lesson. Do a history lesson. Back in the day, education costs were literally a tenth. Like when our parents went to college, college was like $14 in a banana. Like they were <laughs> like, Yeah, just show up, you're good. And now colleges, public universities are twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars a year, right? Private universities, you're looking at fifty, sixty, seventy-five thousand dollars a year. Yeah. And I mean, I was talking to my fiance and our financial planner, and they were like, oh, like, you know, how many children do you think you're planning on having? And I was like, why? And they were like, well, we're going to need to start planning for that and setting aside about a million to a million and a half huh. dollars for your no mystery baby <laughs> to go to school. And I'm like, bro, how much? It's insane. it's insane. And So I think the concept here is back in the day, people could go to school for a lot less And the American dream was you go get higher education, you have that nice job, you buy that white picket fence home, you have your two and a half kids, your golden retriever, and the tire swing, and you could do that by working hard and saving. Easy. Anybody can think that one through. These days, you can't save your way to rich. Mm -mm. So like, you need to actually understand what is the return on investment going to college is going to be. So say you're going to a Technical college where you're going to learn software engineering. And once you leave, your plan is to become a software engineer at a company of, you know, whether it be a bank, whether it be a tech company, whether it be a healthcare company, whatever. You know, the starting salary for a software engineer is what, $125,000 a year? Whereas if you're going to school for something that is a little bit more esoteric, Mm -hmm. that you may have a harder time earning that investment return back on perhaps you don't necessarily need to go to that school specifically and maybe you don't need to go to college at all so i think about one of my guy friends that i went to school with in high school and he ended up going to an ivy league college to study theater and (laughs) i i I know the theater majors are literally going to come for me now (laughs) but like i've spoken to him and he's like, you know, I kind of wish that I had just gone to a more affordable university. I Mm -hmm. still could have studied theater and I probably would have ended up in a same position as I currently am because it wasn't the Ivy League title that got him that audition. It was being able to network in the right places. And certainly there are benefits to having that name brand panache If you're trying to get into what, like investment banking, if you're trying to get into a company like Google, because there's a bunch of other people from your school Mm -hmm. that probably work there. But if you're trying to do something a little bit more esoteric, like you have to think about, will I actually be able to earn the money back to pay for this degree? Because right now student debt is crippling Mm -hmm. an entire generation. And it's really unfortunate that at the age of 18, you are not allowed to drink. You can't even rent a car. You can hardly stay at a hotel by yourself, but you can take on six figures of debt. That seems really scary.
1: Looking to set yourself up for the future? With Quility Life Insurance, it only takes 10 minutes or less. Quility was co-founded by a working mom and partner, so they get it. Life is busy, work is crazy, and digging into a topic like life insurance isn't always the best party subject. Thankfully, Quility simplifies the life insurance process, and it's so quick that you can secure coverage in between team calls and never miss a beat. The leading insurtech company makes it easy for you to find affordable, customized insurance solutions and financial planning to support you throughout your entire life. The process is streamlined and simplified so that you can easily apply for a policy or connect with a licensed insurance agent entirely online. If you already have life insurance through your employer, you may be thinking you don't need another plan, but that's actually a common misconception. While you may have employer coverage through your workplace, it might not be enough. About one in four life insurance owners only have workplace coverage rather than both workplace coverage and an individual policy. Normally, life insurance policies from your employer are capped at one or two times your salary, but Quillity recommends that you take into consideration your monthly expenses, your loved ones who depend on your income, and your overall lifestyle. Plus, if you end up switching companies and leaving your employer, it means your policy heads out too. Luckily, Quility has created a special life insurance guide just for Work Party listeners. So visit Quility.com slash WorkParty to learn more. That's Q-U-I-L-I-T-Y dot C-O-M slash WorkParty for more information. The best time to get life insurance doesn't exist. The easiest way it does with Quility. So I went to NYU, which is like, again, name brand school. Mm-hmm, very name brand. But it's funny because I think I... Studied magazine production, like journalism. The thing about it is, in retrospect, I think what NYU did for me wasn't necessarily give me a good education, no. but it opened doors for me Correct. by living in New York Correct. and having professors that maybe worked at CNN or whoever that got me into those places. That's it. Yeah. I mean, luckily I had a really good scholarship, but like still, it was still a lot of money. But I think about that now, and even as someone who has gone on to hire people, I don't really look at where they went to school. Like, no. it, it's where have you worked? What have you done? What is your vibe? Like, those are the three things. I don't necessarily be like, oh, Princeton, great. Like, <laughs> yeah. get in here. I'm like, no, I actually don't think that's as relevant anymore.
0: I also think the further removed you are from college or like the more senior... <laughs> You're you I'm old. No, that's not what I said. <laughs> I'm, just um, I'm just kidding. I think the more further removed you are, yeah. the less important it is. And I'll be honest... As a young woman in high school, it really did feel like the end all be all. I was like, if I do not get into my dream school, I'm dead. I just drop dead. But that's not true because I didn't get into Harvard. (laughs) I went to the University of Chicago, and which is a wonderful place to go to school. I learned Mm. quite a lot. And obviously it's a great economics institution. I ended up on Wall Street, surprise, surprise. But the world didn't stop turning when I didn't get into Harvard. The world, you know, it it was fine. Yeah. And I think we all have to kind of come to that realization that like, if you want something bad enough, you can get there regardless absolutely. of where you go to school.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Nothing that I learned in school. No, nothing. Helped me become an entrepreneur other than just becoming an entrepreneur. Like right. no. that's the lesson. That's the school. Like I always joke, like my first business was my business degree. Correct. In starting a company. So do you think there's a stigma, I think like, going into a job interview where you maybe didn't go to a named college or you didn't go to college? Like,
0: do you think that's going to hold someone back? I think in some cases, I don't want to lie. Yeah. Yeah. Because there are certain biases that hiring managers might have about, oh, you're someone who didn't go to college. That said, I think there are certainly lots and lots of companies now starting to pivot away from that Mm -hmm. because... There are so many ways to prove that you can do the job without having to have gone to school for it. And companies are realizing that, you know, I don't like him and I don't think he's a good like role model. But like Elon Musk literally is hiring high schoolers who know how to code, high schoolers who have proven that they can be project managers who can work in the tech space very effectively. And he's like, literally send me a project that you've done. Show me your work. And if you're good. Tesla will hire you. Mm -hmm. And certainly at the tech companies where people are known for wearing hoodies and sweats to work every day, like that prove yourself mentality is a little bit more available. Yeah. In more traditional industries like high finance, like there is a little bit of an expectation that you have that higher, you know, end degree. But I, as someone who used to vet resumes, because when I was working on Wall Street, I was the junior person on the team and they were like, hey, go through these resumes and tell us like who you think we should be talking to the you know what they were looking for. Like they basically said, like, if they are in this stack, if they went to any of these schools, if they even didn't go to any of these schools, but somehow made it into this stack through networking, we can go ahead and assume that they're smart. Now show me who's not going to be annoying to sit next to for 14 hours a day. Now show me who's going to run me books at 5 a.m. and not oversleep. Show me who has all of the other qualities that we're looking for in this job. We can go ahead and assume they're all already smart. Dang,
1: that's wild, but that's real. That's so, so real. There's so much bias that goes into all of these different things. And frankly, I mean, speaking from experience, some of my best employees did not go to Ivy's. And I've had a lot of people on my team that have gone to Ivy's. And the reality is, is like, it all comes down to, like, also, again, your relationship with money and how hard you want to work and wh- how bad you want it or how bad you need it and how you get there.
0: So funny that you mentioned that because <laughs> my fiance would call and he'd be like, dude, I don't know what you learned at that school of yours, but the Chicago grads on my team are so stupid. <laughs> I'd be like, I don't know why. And he'd be like, we prioritize hiring from these quote unquote smart schools. But the people who can actually do the work and don't need me to hold their hand are actually the ones who came from public universities because they have accounting programs, because Mm -hmm. they have business majors versus all of you little liberal arts smarties like, you know, the history majors like I have to teach you how to build this model. And so I think now going into the workforce and looking back, I think what you want to learn isn't necessarily like, oh, where can I get the fanciest degree but what skills can i get that no one can take away from me and those are things like being able to build a financial model being able to speak publicly being able to code and those are all skills that you don't necessarily need to go to a fancy schmancy school to get it really depends how good are you at it and the, what makes you good at them putting in the reps putting in the hours and knowing that you're able to do it confidently when you know there's a little bit of a fire burning underneath you Absolutely. So two hot takes down. First,
1: (laughs) do not date someone that's not financially stable. Mm -mm. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they're rich. Correct. That's a good one. Yes. And number two is that you don't necessarily have to go to college, but you got to work hard. You got to get the skills and you got to make your way up. Thank you so much, Vivian. This was so fun. Can you tell everyone where they can follow you on TikTok, Instagram, all the things?
0: Yeah, you guys can find me everywhere across social media as your Rich BFF and if you guys want to tune into my podcast, it's called Net Worth and Chill and you can find it wherever you listen to your podcasts.
1: Thanks so much for being here. Thank you.